0: welcome back to the TLC podcast with me Venus Libido and me Natalie Byrne. Um, Today is obviously a little bit different, we're recording via Zoom um, because we're still in shitty isolation (laughs) Um, and we have a really amazing guest on today which I'm really excited about. Um, So yeah Natalie. Yes today on the
1: podcast we are joined with Reese King from the Heavy Mental podcast Reese, occasionally joined by his wife, um, they both interview a whole host of different experts and talk about personal growth, wellness, and mental health. Reese Reese's podcast has particularly helped me through this self isolation situation, um, so I think it's perfect timing to have you as a guest during this time on our podcast. Uh, welcome, Reese. It's Grace to, great, Hi, to, great, great to have uh, you here. <laughs> Grace, I didn't mess it up. I got it, like right to the end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's awesome to chat. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I really love both your work so Aww. and the podcast. So it's really cool to chat to you both.
0: Thank you. Are you guys find it really weird that when you start to have a conversation with someone that isn't within your house, you've just like forgotten how to speak and all the words. <laughs> yeah. <come on>.
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: I know I yeah,
2: definitely, and
0: how to speak to people.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a weird one, and I think I've really because I've done a few. We've done a few of these um, like Zoom podcast episodes, and I don't know. I've really felt like I've found my feet with it a bit now. But at first, it was it was very, very odd, very strange. Like it <laughs> felt that human need to connect and communicate with people. It didn't. It feels like it's really it's really met when you're in person, but it's not quite the same when it's digital. If if that makes yeah. sense.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's definitely. a little. It, it it for me when I get on a call with a person, I feel like I've escaped for a little bit. Yeah. And then that, I like cool. get off, and I'm like, oh, I am just in my room, and I haven't moved <laughs> anywhere.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: still here, in the same place. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a bit about your podcast and yourself and how it got started and
2: yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll start with, like, kind of my own mental health journey and where that's come from and gone and then, like, build up to the podcast, if that's cool. Yeah.
0: Um, Take it away.
2: got?
1: <laughs> <laughs> 14 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So I've struggled with my mental health since I was uh, a kid, really. But I, it's one of those where... I didn't realize it at the time and it's only through reflecting as an adult and with therapy that I was like, shit, I was an, actually a pretty anxious kid and I can remember first half, my, my first sort of anxiety experience was when, do you know, like Nostradamus predicting the yeah. end of the world and stuff like that? So I was yeah. a little kid and I remember latching on to this, seeing it somewhere, whether it was on TV or in the paper. And actually having like a countdown to the end of the world in my head, and oh like.
0: My God. I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, I've never met anyone else that had this happen to them. No Honestly, way. I had such a fear growing up, and this is when I realized my I had anxiety, was because yeah. I had such a fear about the world ending constantly.
1: Really? And I've wow. never
0: met anybody else that That's ever had yeah. the same thing.
2: Yeah, but, it was. It, it was um, I don't know if it was the messaging or. At that time, because there was limit more limited media. So I suppose that you were only gonna be able to absorb stuff from certain, you know, it was only like four channels back then kind of thing. Mm. Um but yeah, it's a weird one. I remember really obsessing and about that end of the world thing and it coming to the weekend when it was supposed to happen and thinking, you know, fuck this is it, this is it, like this is and then waking up the next day and just be, oh my God, it didn't end. I got, I got, there's another chance, kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's it sort of um, continued from there. And I was always a chronic warrior as a kid. And I remember in that similar vein, I remember reading the newspaper and obsessing about, I think it was the Iraq war at the time, or like mm. somewhere around there, and obsessing about weapons of mass destruction that Saddam Hussein had. And I remember reading something in one of the like red top newspapers at the time that was talking about, um, all of the different WM uh, weapons of mass destruction that they, they had in the middle, East, that Saddam supposedly had and how each could kill you in certain ways. Yeah. And I remember just being latched onto this and obsessed about it. And I remember I haven't counseling at the time, but about this, this kind of, um, obsessive um thought process that 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 is seemed to have and Mm -hmm. from there i think there was a moment when i was a young kid where i first realized my own mortality and that this shit this could this will come to an end and who knows when this will come to an end and everyone i know and love this will this will end for and that kind of I think that's when the my fear and anxiety went inward, and that's when it manifested in health anxiety from there for me so
0: can I just ask yeah. your did your parents contribute in any way? do you think now looking back on mm. the way you worried about the world, like were they particularly um cautious about the news all the time and things like that because i I realized now looking back that my mum was quite worried about things like that and I think that mm. like led to me being worried about it so was that the case for you?
2: I don't think it was I, no. I really I can't pick it apart from where where that came from as such because my mum's like a really chill person and uh, has never has always been somebody that has talked me down if ever I've been anxious or worried mm. or stressed I think it was something that I kind of it's not certainly not anything I'm aware of, but it, I think it was something that I, I just came to on my own. I'm not, maybe there's more digging for me to do at some point to see if I can find out exactly uh, where that happened, where, where that started from. But um, that's where that whole anxiety experience kicked off for me and then manifested in health anxiety. I remember my... Like a first health anxiety episode that I had, but again, didn't have a clue at the time. Um, Only afterwards, looking back, where I'm, am I like shit? That was my first kind of health anxiety episode that I had, and um, it was um, finding a lump on my nipple and being like obsessive about that. I'm thinking, and then I, if I read or I spoke to someone, and when you're a kid, you you can't rationalise that well, and you're Mm. more susceptible to messages and, and, and things I think and uh, I don't know if there was a storyline or something on, on something I was watching about male breast cancer mm. but I remember becoming obsessed with that and I'm talking like I was a teen, probably like 12 or 13 or something like that and um, that just catastro- catastrophic escalation process in my head where I've gone I'm basically ruminating on the, on the fact that I've got this serious rare illness that I'm going to die from and yeah, I, I can remember going down the hall, diagnostic, not diagnostic, um, going to the GP and stuff, and having it looked at, and then just having more and more episodes like that. So the, the lump thing, has, the lump obsessions have been a thing through the years, um, through various different times. But um, I think... Uh, I think it's come, it's come up in all, all sorts of different ways, to be honest. And it, with the health anxiety, it tends to be something that pops up every now and again. Like, like I mentioned, it being episodic. It's like normally when I'm run down or in a vulnerable physical state, like hangover, sleep deprived or, or whatever, but that initial intrusive thought finds its way in. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're like the, I think, one of the, the first people I really heard talk about um, health anxiety. How mm. would you describe it to someone that doesn't really know what it is? Or um,
2: yeah. yeah, it's like um, an, an unhealthy obsession about your health, really, <laughs> ironically. Yeah. It's kind of, um, you're... It's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Well, I have experienced it before, but in comparison to anything else, I think it's at the worst end of the anxiety spectrum for me personally and what I felt through other experiences. The most ill that I've ever made myself, and I say made myself through, through my own thoughts, I'm really big on how your thoughts can make you physically ill.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, I had a, an episode a couple of years back, Health Anxiety Wise, where um, it was a, um, a bowel cancer obsession that I had at the time where I'd gone out um, on a night out and was out until like 6 a.m. drinking. I was hangover, really dehydrated, woke up the next day, went to the toilet, looked in the pan, there was blood. And then my, I didn't have my rational brain to be able to think. Um, Oh, that's completely normal. You're dehydrated. You've been out all night. You know, whatever. That's that's to be expected. My escalation process. I'm in that vulnerable physical state, and I think, "Fuck, I'm dying. There's something wrong here." So I jump onto Google and (laughs) type in "blood in poo," and then next thing you know, it's like, "Warning: the signs of bowel cancer," and like all this stuff. And I'm like, "Fuck!" And then that little thought gets in. And because you're not in your, I say, right mind, or you're not in the healthiest position, you can't rationalize the mm. thought. And it just, it just escalates. I, I, I use like a visual analogy of the car, like um, a roller coaster cart uh, leaving a station. Like, so when you get that thought, it's like, don't let the cart leave the station. Because if the roller coaster leaves the station, you're off on an anxiety roller coaster mm. and you don't know how long you're gonna be on it for mm, and how yeah. bad it's gonna be. Um, but yeah, it, that was a time where I did leave, let the cart leave the station. I wasn't able to talk myself down and it just got worse and worse and worse. And then I had my first panic attack. And that was no fun whatsoever. And yeah, it just, it went on for months and months and months, that particular episode. And as it was ending, I think I just had the realization where I was like, I can't ever let myself get into this situation again. Yeah. And um yeah, especially with the panic attacks, that was a unique experience. That i you know, that is a hell. Like it's, I'd never been able to, up until that point. So this is back in, I think it's twenty sixteen. Um, I'd never been able to relate to people when they said they had panic attacks, and I always remember um, my dad's partner at the time having a panic attack in at a house party, and just thinking oh, she's just kind of hyperventilating into a paper bag. Like, just calm down. Everything will be okay and that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. when it happens to you and that doom transcend, like all of the life leaves your body and you just feel that like numbness in your hands and your um, feet and and you just think you're going to die. And uh, it's that awful, awful, awful feeling that comes over you. But yeah, I think... um, After that experience where it was so bad, I was like, I've got to try and look out for myself and see where what triggers there are and how I can protect myself from this kind of thing happening again.
1: Mm. Oh god, I recognize when you talked about panic attacks. I haven't had one in like over a year. But Mm. I used to get them all the time and, and it's you're right, like it's it's completely uncontrollable when you're when you're going, when you're falling down yeah. that and you do, i mine felt like I was dying. I felt I was convinced I was dying every time I had a yeah. panic attack. Um, you don't
2: know what that feel. you can't describe that feeling. Can you, if, if, if to yeah. somebody, you just, it's a unique sensation that you, it is the closest thing you can sort of link to feeling as though you're going to die.
1: Um, yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. um, oh. yeah um what was there a, a particular thing that happened to make you want to do the podcast
2: yeah so I think having had experiences with mental health for most of my life I think we I'd wanted basically I'd wanted to start a podcast since maybe I don't know like 2015 and I shit out basically, through fear. I wanted to start something, but I felt, like I said, I feel more comfortable communicating through writing. Mm. So the thought of me having to actually speak in real time about stuff was like really, really scary. Mm. Um, and I think part of it was, at that time, I felt as though I don't know, that I didn't have something worth sharing but I really wanted to be part of the, of pod, of podcasting.
0: Mm -hmm. But
2: then, um, my wife and I, Layla, um, we'd have these like long rambly chats on a Saturday morning. We'd like, with a strong coffee, we'd be in bed and just like chatting about stuff. And I think we found that a lot of the time we ended up, um, like talking about our own mental health, but in a, candid way like like a light-hearted way almost yeah. and things that had helped us experiences we'd had and we ended up so leila makes uh videos um on youtube um and we did a couple of videos where we were chatting at length just exactly like we did with a coffee just sitting down like maybe there's a theme or there's a topic or there's something that we're going to chat about so we had some little bit of feedback from people saying oh it's really good that you're talking about these these kind of topics um you should do more of this and i was like ding this is my this is my time to (laughs) go down the podcasting route and if it helps people and i don't know i i think by it through sharing the conversation because podcasting is such a personal medium it's like I'm, we're in someone's ears right now if they've got headphones on like chatting away mm. and I just love the medium and how deep you can go in a, in a longer conversation so yeah. I think it was an easy transition to make to podcasting and I think I yeah it was that thing of if these conversations between Leila and I can help people and help us figure things out as well along the way then that's amazing and I think it became more about and certainly now how I could add value and serve other people who struggle as well as myself. Cause I still do all the time. And mm. I think it's important to be transparent and you know, open about that, which I try to be, I do still hold things back. Um, but I'm trying not, you know, it's a, we're all a work in progress type of thing. And, um, I'm really trying to put myself out there more and more. Um, with the name uh, of the podcast, it was, I love heavy metal. And I've always had, like I said, with the health anxiety and stuff and with other stuff, I've always had problems with my mental health and an interest in how the brain works and um, personal development and growth and things like that. So it just came, I, I think I was in the shower or something. I just came to me and I was like, yes, that's it. It has to be that. So, yeah, I think, um, I think that's how it all kind of kicked off from there. And then the more we went through and the more conversations we had and the more um, thematically we talked about different stuff, that's when we thought, oh, we could, if we have guests on, we can get another complete angle on a different situation from something that we've never spoken about before. Yeah,
0: So I really like the name. I think it's really clever. Oh, Um, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's great. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of guests you have on your podcast? Um,
2: Yeah. I think at first it was, um, I had like a a list of people, um, friends primarily, and people I knew that I wanted to approach to get on, that I knew who'd, like I, I lived with one of my friends before that had a really bad OCD problem. And um, he still struggles with it a lot now, and I was like he would make a perfect guess because a lot of people don't realize or understand what it what it's like to be in in the mind of 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 an oCD sufferer um, so that was a really cool episode And um, having been close to him for for a number of years, I knew about his struggle, and I knew it could benefit other people kind of thing um, yeah. but I think we just wanted to have um a a a list of people that um that we knew that could really again going back to that why thing about helping other people sharing different people's stories and from there it's kind of been like a lot of the time the vast majority of the people we've had on it's always been like i'll speak to someone and they'll say oh you should have x person on and then i'm like yeah that's cool and then i approached them or like i did with natalie and uh yeah, get them on. And um, uh, for a chat, right, I, fi- I always find that every single person I speak to and every conversation I have, I always learn something that's applicable in my own life. And hopefully I try and share that something I've learned with other people in the hope that it may, you know, maybe a sentence or something triggers something in someone's mind where they're like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Or I've never really thought about it that way. And they can take take that and you know to help them in their own life type of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And I think you and Leila do a a lovely job in um like being vulnerable. And I think when you're vulnerable it really connects with people and I think you both do a great job with that. Thank you. Um sorry, you go (laughs) I'm getting (laughs) confused with the Zoom thing. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. Um you mentioned before um about becoming about learning to become accountable Mm. um and i know for me and many others um being in a dark place to get that to to take learn how to take responsibility or accountability in um in your own mental health it can be really difficult um Mm. or even hard to know how to even do um, so do you have any advice on, the, on how to get there?
2: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think one of the biggest changes for me in that regard with, with holding myself accountable was changing my self-talk, in my, that inner dialogue in my head, because mm-hmm. I always used to speak to myself from a voice of authority. And I was like, you must fucking do this or else. Like, why can't you do this? Why are you always like this? Mm. I to myself, basically, all the time about how I was and certain patterns I'd found myself in and things. But now I kind of approach it differently, because I know that I don't really respond to those type of voices in my head and especially not in the real world. I, I end up rebelling against myself. So I was like, right, I have to change how I speak to myself and I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it was a voice. I had to change it to a voice of love and support, Mm. like how I would speak to a friend or a family member and just be, kind kinder to myself really and yeah. going easy with myself and knowing that I'm going to stumble and fall and trip up but just kind of saying so for example I may say to myself instead of saying you have to go for a run you have to get out of this situation you have to do this that and that really authoritative voice, which doesn't work for a lot of so many people there's a such a small percentage of people that it does work for I think we need that tough love type thing but I I would say instead why don't you try going for a walk or a little run or you'll feel better afterwards you know come on like that kind of reassuring voice as opposed to being nasty to myself basically but it took a hell of a long time to learn that I was even like that in my own head
0: yeah i totally can resonate with that i mean since the well since i can remember like having voices mm. <clears throat> excuse me having voices in your head Um, And then those voices not necessarily being uplifting or positive, um, you know, words coming back at you and realise, like, that for many years just being the bane of my life and why can I not close these voices down and why are they so mean to me and how can I stop this? um, Mm. I totally can get you with that and learning to change the way you hear them and what they're saying is such... A journey in itself yeah. um we can totally get that and then also like just hearing other people talk about the fact that you know these voices in their head don't say nice things to them mm. for many years I thought I was crazy and I didn't tell anybody because I thought someone was going to you know put me in a mental institution <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um for the fact that I said I could hear voices because you know growing up when you watch things like that in in movies um it's not seen as like a positive thing or something you can work Mm. on it's always seen as like okay there's something seriously wrong with you let's um let's uh put you away but uh, it's really nice to hear other people saying these things and I hope that you know if we have a lot young listeners listening to this and feel ashamed or alone or scared that they can hear um voices as well and voices that don't tell them nice things about themselves or put them down then that they can realize that you can work on this um, Mm. and you can change the voices and what they're saying. Um, But that being said, uh, you know, obviously mental health awareness week is coming up next month. Mm. Um, What sort of things will you be doing to like spread awareness? And do you have anything special lined up or any advice for yourself ready for that?
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's a good reminder um, for me because I completely didn't realize that my calendar um, that I've added like specific dates to for like um, particular days and stuff in relation to mental health. It's in my work calendar that I don't have access to. So we've been trying to release an episode um, every week during the kind of lockdown period. And I've got a little backlog of episodes to come out. Um, but I think it's just important to try and be... Um, just open and vulnerable with—it's the hardest thing, and I still really struggle with it now. But I think again, touching on that focus of why I'm doing the podcast again, it's—it's it's not for <clears throat> excuse me any financial benefit or anything like that. It's purely just—it feels really, really good to connect with people and to um, have mess like DMs and stuff about people who've listened to certain things that. Um, maybe a guest has said or or something that I've shared that has resonated with someone and going back to that why of um, wanting to add value and help other people in any way that I can. It just feels like the really right thing for me to do. And I think with something like Mental Health Awareness Week, it brings people in who may not necessarily be... It gives them a little opportunity for people who may not necessarily be as open as you know us three for example mm. and it gives them an an excuse almost to think oh, I've seen a lot of other people sharing certain stories about different things and it's really inspired me to kind of want to do even share just a tiny bit of what's inside me and put it out there and I think once people do that and they get I, I've only ever seen a good reception to people being open and vulnerable about their mental health and how they feel, and I think once someone gets a little taste of that and having a reason and an excuse to be able to do that, such as a, an awareness week, they'll then it'll then cause them to open up, more, unravel, and like open up more, more, more. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah. It's nice to see people on, on mental health kind of, um, dates, people who don't like have that as their brand doing something on mental health, I think is really, is the most exciting part of it. Um, and on that, do you think there has been any progression around men's mental health and like men talking about mental health? Yeah, I, I think
2: there's, there's, there's definitely been a progression but I still feel like there's a long a really long way to go um mm-hmm. I think because I'm relatively open or I aim to be open about my own mental health and experiences I think that ah, oh, everywhere every other guy must be like me like mm-hmm. inside and you realize that when you speak to some people that they are very closed off and cage their feelings uh men in particular and I know I it's it's fucking hard like I, I know it's hard I remember um when I was a kid being bombarded with images of strong men you know boys don't cry that kind of thing and I think there's even off the back of that, I think there's still things that I still feel unsure about talking about. Like I struggled with eating disorder since I was about 20, like, beginning with anorexia to bulimia, binge eating, and orthorexia, which was really bad as well. And knowing that I, I have those food issues and stuff, I have to check in with myself quite often because the behavior is like it's still something I struggle with now and I think in terms of men's role models for stuff like body positivity and eating disorders I don't think there's certainly not what I've seen anyway there's not a lot of voices in in the game or people talking about it which makes me feel scared to talk about my own experience I haven't got someone to look to and being like oh I resonate with this person, I relate to this person, and therefore that makes me want to share more. But for me to be the person to put myself out there and be, push that, which I really do want to do, is really fucking scary. It's mm-hmm. really scary, you know? Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, um, it's complete different things, but doing anything like in our careers has always been... You will have that doubt when when you're mm. your first one to do anything um, of of how is it going to go. But um, I think that you know I, I have men in my life. One of my friends from school dealt with um, anorexia and was um, in hospitalised for it. And um, I definitely see that that is a topic that um, I'm excited for you potentially like going forward talking about that Mm. um because i don't see much um if any (laughs) um talking about that but i completely resonate with the idea of of being terrified um and um thanks so much for being so honest and open about that because i think that's that's the thing what we've what i found i don't know about you venus but also there's people that that think that we don't have this people people that share are vulnerable online. I think others don't see that we have that internal struggle, just like any other human would <laughs> of, <laughs> of being scared. <laughs> I think some, like some of my friends just always just say, I'm so brave and it's like, no, I'm terrified. I don't feel brave. <laughs> um, and I'm, and um, yeah, I just think that it was, um, it's uh thanks so much for being like honest about that on on here um
2: yeah that is it's it's something that i've i i've wanted to to talk about it for a while and it's just kind of i don't know just um feeling like i don't know this part of it because of there being not that many men talking about their experiences I, i think i may have seen in the public eye I think the entire time I've struggled, maybe like 10 years, I've seen one or two people, one or two men talk about it in kind of a really reductionist sort of way. Like, like as if to try and not get into the nitty gritty about it and talk about it as if it's just like something that you can brush off. But yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been, it's like I said, it's something I still struggle with now. And in particular, in this isolation period, I did notice at the start of the lockdown that those kind of obsessive behaviors around food started to crop up again. And I think it's to do with that sense of outside there feeling a loss, you're like a loss of control. You don't know what's going on. You know, there's all this scaremongering and um, fear and uncertainty out there in the world. So you think, well, you don't subconsciously you're like right what can i control what can i focus on
0: yeah. and then
2: that manifests it can manifest itself in so many different ways for so many different people depending on the individual but for me at the start i did notice that i was like we're trying to restrict what i was eating because i was doing less uh, and and then uh, M- layla and i had a conversation about it and i was just like fuck i i didn't realize i was getting back into these Mm. These bad relationships with food and and with myself. I had to like kind of check in and really check in with myself at the start.
0: Well, this kind of leads us onto our last question. um, Mm. Is how are you coping right now um, with your mental health during quarantine? Um, What are your struggles? What have you learned about yourself? Is there any positive things you're learning as well as the negatives?
2: Yeah, I think at the start of it all I was really scared, like a lot of people. I think there was a few moments, well, like I mentioned about the health anxiety, there's a few moments where I felt it was really touch and go whether I was gonna have a health anxiety episode. And um, I was addicted to kind of refreshing the news page on The Guardian, like the update about every single death, every single case and really becoming scared and obsessive and you know it's the same with like whatsapp social media and stuff i had to delete whatsapp in the end because there was so many groups talking about it and so many different people and i'd go on in the morning there'd be like 200 messages and i'd be like fuck And i just mm. felt overwhelmed so mm. i just had to take steps from that initial point to kind of minimize the amount of information that i was bombarded with because i yeah. think as human beings, this is not, it's an insane amount of information that we're bombarded with every day from like our phones to TV to subliminal, subliminal like advertising messages. And yeah, I think like since I minimized my exposure to media and since I um, had deleted WhatsApp, I started feeling way better. And one of the massive things for me during this time, or like a few months before, was giving up caffeine. And mm. um, I feel a lot more grounded and calmer and able to respond to situations like this, like unprecedented, uncertain situations with a more rational, calm head. But mm. I've started to get into a groove with it all now. And I think, um, well, I wouldn't say I'm enjoying it, like, because that, that, that's. But, you know, I quite, like that we, I quite like that there's been this reflective time on, and a slowing down and a, and a chance to be introspective and reflective and really focus on the things that matter to you. And, like, a lot of the things that you put in such high priority and worried about, you actually get a time to think about it like this. And you're like, fucking hell, that, that's meaningless. That doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel a for you on that. <laughs> yeah, it's I've enjoyed it. Everyone's slowing down too. <laughs> so yeah. um it's it's uh it's um I definitely resonate with everything you said. During my burnout episode you interviewed me when I when we talked yeah. about burnout out, I actually deleted WhatsApp, I deleted everything. Um, wow. so I completely understand that it's so good to just know that the world doesn't end when you like mm-hmm. th- Leave groups or, or you know, yeah. delete apps, and so important right now um, to be aware mm. of the media consumption because um, this fear mongering technique is is not okay. Mm. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, but I was I really really enjoyed speaking to you.
2: <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I just rambled. Like. I'm That's just,
1: awesome. <laughs> You've got a great
0: voice for you should have a podcast.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Good joke. Yeah, so we, we usually end the podcast on positive recommendations. Um yeah. these can be things that have helped us during a really dark time or something that's helped you this week or even today. Um it can be literally anything. So um do you want us to go first? Or? Yeah,
2: please. Yeah, I wanna I wanna listen to what uh what
0: yours are natalie do you do you want me to go first or you want to go first
1: i'll go first i'll go first um i'm actually like been re going back and listening back to the whole of the mental um heavy mental podcast listening to your podcast and um as soon as all this happened i um there's two mental health podcasts that i love one called mentally yours and then Mm. obviously also yours so i've gone back right from the beginning and listening to them all and it's just so um it's just so great and I think the guests that you have on are so great and then I, I love the episodes of you and Layla just talking about um your own journey um and yeah I think I've just really been enjoying it it's really helped me feel not alone
0: oh
2: that's sweet thank you
0: um mine is so last week i watched this tv show that i had no idea came out i think last year the year before but it's on netflix now called pure have you of you seen it
2: no i haven't actually no
0: um so i think it was on channel four or something um and it's about this girl who suffers with really intrusive thoughts about sex um mm-hmm and all she can picture is the people she loves around her and her friends have like having sex or her doing stuff like her going down on her mom or watching her <laughs> give like give her best friend a blowjob or whatever it is but yeah. she just can't stop thinking about these things and it drives her insane And it causes her to drink a lot. So in the end, basically, moral of the story, is she moves to London, sees a therapist and makes some friends and realises she has severe OCD. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, I really loved watching it because I really related to her and her OCD and her intrusive thoughts and how she would deal with them in terms of drinking in social situations. So she felt normal and so she felt like she could numb the thoughts. Um, so I watched that recently and it was really really good and I think it was really I think the way the story was told is really um interesting and um yeah I highly recommend going to watch that if you haven't seen it but that's my positive thing that's made me feel a little bit less alone this week okay. that's awesome I'll have
2: to check out that yeah and shall I go yes please yeah, I want to
0: cool. know <laughs> I'm so nosy <laughs> uh
2: that's why we have a podcast, really, isn't it? Yeah. So you, get, <laughs> <laughs> you get to ask those questions. Um, yeah, there's a... In the last few weeks, there's a filmmaker and video creator that I've really become... I've become really obsessional with, with, uh, with like, TV shows or, like, a particular creator, podcast creator whatever. But um, it's a guy called uh, Matt Devella.
1: Oh, a, I love a, him! Sorry. Yeah, I'm a big fan so cool. of him. He's great.
2: Yeah, he's awesome. He does these like um, YouTube videos about productivity and personal development, and he, he sets himself challenges. And he like he went. Um, he'll do like a 30 day. I think for an entire year, he did a challenge every month, and whether it was 30 days of meditation, 30 days of breath work, and but he doesn't take himself too seriously, which is something that I love, and I really re- resonate with that. And he—he he was one of—he I, I, was an inspiration for a project I'm trying to do something similar with now. Um, but yeah, it's his videos are really like uplifting and funny as well. But there's also mm-hmm. a lot of value that can be gleaned from the videos, and uh, yeah, check out. Um, his YouTube and he did the Minimalism documentary as well, which is amazing
1: on Netflix. Great. We'll we'll include everything in the, in the description and also all the recommendations. And Um, where can people um, find you as well?
2: Oh yeah, cool. Um, So on Instagram, we're at the heavy mental podcast Mm -hmm. and we're on iTunes or Apple podcast and Spotify as well. And yeah, I think uh I should cover it
1: Oh when you're also doing um the project that I'll oh, also yeah, link at, in the description as well it's just
2: um yeah, it's just my own personal journey with with mental health, so it's um kind of in conjunction with the podcast but um yeah uh the at the heavy metal project
0: oh cool, yeah, amazing. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on it's been thank so you so
2: much it's been lovely to speak to you it's been so you too. nice
1: thanks so much and yes. uh, see you on the internet
2: <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> yeah.
0: thank, thank you, you so both. much bye bye if you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else then please call the Samaritans number on 116 123 for free
1: Thank you for listening to the TLC podcast if you enjoyed it please share it with your friends share it on the socials tag us write us a review all that good stuff really helps us out so so much thank you Nick Byrne for the music this song is called Houses and you can stream it now all the links will be in the description